Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in and pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborne. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutters are bro Stowe, and we're very happy to have Mark and Christy Tripodi as our guests this morning in the uh, in the St. Gabriel Cafe. The Tripodis will share with us their story and how they help others to make life and living possible again and to find new hope after the loss of, uh, of a loved one. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. How are you today? I'm quite well. How are you? It's fantastic. Good. Shall we start Splendid. in a prayer? Let's do that. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hmm. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for another day. We thank you for your goodness and for your blessings. And even for the crosses that you give us to draw us closer to you. Help us to see them as such. That in our trials and in our difficulties, we turn to you. We um, pray for all the, the departed, specifically all of our family and friends that were once close to us, and we just know that you, you care for them, that you love them, and we pray that they would behold your face in the heavenly kingdom. We thank you for the gift that they, they are, and um, just lift them up to you. And we ask that you continue to work in our lives and our hearts that we would be made the saints that we are called to be. We give all glory to you. And we pray through this, through the intercession of Mary, and in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. November 2nd, All Souls Day. That's right. Yeah. So it's a great opportunity for us to pray for all those in purgatory and... Um, yeah. All of our loved ones. All of our loved ones. Actually, in the Magnificat today, there's this beautiful um, insert from JP2, and it says, to believe in the resurrection of the flesh is to recognize that there is a final end, an ultimate goal for all of human life, which so satisfies man's appetite that nothing else is left for him to desire. Our fraternal prayer comes to the aid of those who await the beatific vision. Isn't that mm. beautiful? That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to uh, Benedict the 16th. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Today we renew our hope in eternal life, truly founded on Christ's death and resurrection. I am risen and I am with you always, the Lord tells us, and my hand supports you wherever you may fall. You will fall into my hands and I will be there even to the gates of death. Hmm. We are blessed, aren't we? Yeah, we really are. We oh. really are. You made it to resurrection last night? That's right. So I believe it was the last time that St. Jude's uh, relic, mm -hmm. his arm, would be on display in, in our diocese. And so I went to resurrection last night and got to do that. Very grateful for your advice, Dave, to go early. Yes. So I did. Um, I didn't have to wait in much of a line at all. Um, yeah. So, but it was, it was a powerful experience. Good crowd. 
Yeah, yeah, it really was. And the homily was amazing. Learned so much about St. Jude and why he wears the, typically he's depicted with the image of Christ on a medallion on Mm -hmm. him. And so that was an amazing story. And yeah, just looking forward to growing more in my devotion, my friendship with him now. I was getting texts from my men's group. Well, I saw him this morning. I had notifications off, praise be to God, because there were, I woke up and there's like 40 texts. I'm like, what the heck happened overnight? <laughs> and it was uh, play-by-play updates from the long line at Resurrection. So so one of my brothers uh, was still in line around 930. He's like, man, I hope they keep this open past 10. I'm sure they did. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I do. I'm not sure, but I was grateful that I went before mass instead of after. <laughs> also, want to say hi to our friends listening on FM 106.7 in Athens. Welcome, folks. Mm-hmm. Good to have you with us. Uh, remember, a couple of days ago, we had Sister Marie from the Apostolic Sisters of St. John with us. Yeah. One of her sisters, Sister Monica, guess what she did yesterday? What'd she do? You'll never guess. No, tell me. She became a U.S. citizen. Wow. Congratulations, sister. Yeah. So I woke up to some pictures uh, from Sister Monica Mm -hmm. uh, and some friends from here in Columbus uh, after the ceremony. She's holding an American flag and just beaming. That's so fun. Yeah. So does this mean your bedtime allots for you to get so many text messages in the morning? (laughs) Notifications are off. Yeah. Yeah. So... I didn't do a great job of not looking at the phone until after prayer time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was one of the first things I did. Nice. Bad nice. Dave. Well, congratulations, yeah. sister. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're just so blessed, you know, in, in so many ways. We have uh, uh, 106.7 starting now in Athens. Mm-hmm. and we spoke to Father Mark yesterday and how excited they are. And, right. and Jeff Neese, the president of St. Isidore Media, um, and how just stepping out in faith, not knowing how to do radio, how to put a, a station together, mm-hmm. and uh, inviting us to walk with them and get it launched. And great things ahead uh, yeah. for yeah. the city of Athens. Yeah, actually, I saw Greg last night at resurrection mm-hmm. the, our, our engineer Greg right, Savaldi right and he he was saying how you know the whole team went out there that I, I believe it was the Knights of Columbus and they're cleaning up the the grounds around the tower and mm-hmm. everything and so yeah beautiful that everyone's just banding together to make this happen in all sorts of ways our friends are here the Tripodis. well good morning Dave how are good you good morning Mark and Christy good morning welcome to St. Gabriel Radio it's a, the cafe. Does it feel like a cafe? <laughs> it feels, um, it does. But it, I mean, there's definitely like the Holy Spirit is alive in here. I mean, all yeah, you know, it's good, our first it? time really walking through. I think I probably walked through when you just had half the mm-hmm. the space. But just you taking us around this morning and seeing the chapel and I mean all the artwork and the quotes that are popping off the walls. I mean, it's it's a special place. Thanks yeah. for having us. Oh, thank you, thank you. So you're going to be with us for the hour. I want to start talking with you about growing up and falling in love and your story. So, Mark, you're from Steubenville. I am. Yep. 
Yeah, and you know, uh, just a shout out to my parents. They're going to be celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. Ah, happy on, anniversary. On, on Thanksgiving Day this year, November 23rd. Nice. And uh, they're still hanging in there. My dad will be 90 in January. My mom just turned 84 mm-hmm. and uh, just set a great example. I'm the youngest of four kids. I uh, went to Steubenville Catholic Central. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those uh, crusaders out there listening, um, and then from from there, um, you know, obviously in Steubenville, everybody knows Franciscan University, uh, but it's crazy. Like when you when you're a townie, like what the Franciscan University students used to call us, you know, we, I I didn't have a great appreciation. We practiced our faith, but it was very kind of check the box kind of faith growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was almost like you know, we kind of had the sense of well, they're the holy rollers up on the hill. Uh, we're the townies here, you know, have a St. Anthony's and Holy Rosary and anyhow, but we had a good, just kind of a regular cadence of, of a Catholic life growing up. Um, and, uh, but what took me kind of out of Steubenville as a, uh, from a major point of view, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I had a, one of my favorite teachers in high school was this sister, Barbara Catalano, and she was our chemistry teacher, and I just I knew I wanted to do something around sciences and things like that. So ended up coming to Ohio State because they have, regardless of what my major would be, they kind of had had it all. So that's mm-hmm. what brought me to Columbus, okay. and uh, where Christy and I met. And Christy, you're from Independence. I'm from near Cleveland. Yes, yeah. uh, Independence. I'm the oldest of eight children, uh-huh. and uh, and we were kind of you know a family that loved Ohio State so it was kind of like where we were supposed to go so um yeah so I went there and um met Mark um and we freshman year no actually it would have been it would have been been yeah it would have been your sophomore year year. it would have been my senior year yeah yeah and um but she was non-negotiable like when we met I mean I would say this again you know I was probably averaging I don't know 60 65% 65% mass attendance my first couple years at Ohio State mm-hmm. but in meeting Christy and we would go to the Newman Center on Lane uh, I mean it was it was a uh, non-negotiable I mean it was like you know if we're hanging out even as friends or boyfriend girlfriend like we're going to mass and that's that was that was um that was important for her you know just in early on in our in our in our dating and and getting to know one another and then married after graduation Married after graduation, started a family, and uh, kind of really went young. We started young. I mean, we were really right from Ohio State, right into you know raising a family, and you know um, we let's see, we were young parents. I think Christy was probably twenty one, twenty two when our oldest was born, who's now twenty nine. Hard to believe, huh? <laughs> <I know. laughs> and uh, how'd that happen? Well. <laughs> time yeah help me out help, help me out christy <laughs> i don't know i i honestly blinked and it it's you know uh nine children later so um but i also know we wouldn't have had that many had we not been through um you know one probably the greatest suffering that we endured in um the first three years of our marriage actually um when our three-year-old son bobby passed away um and I mean, I was so young, Mark was so young and we just, you know, our life just took a complete transformation. And, um, I think it just, it actually brought us to a life changing moment and, a and forever change from that moment. And it just put us into a, 
deep dive. You had to deep dive either in one direction or a direction to to go towards the Lord or to completely walk away from the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was your life like? I, I mean, uh, you were in Cleveland at the time. Yeah, so you I were working after Ohio State. When I moved up, uh, so I never went back to Steubenville. Went went up to Independence, mm-hmm. and um, was, again, we had. Um, at the time, we had three children. Our oldest, Taylor, was six. Our son, Bobby, was three. We had a little daughter, Francesca, about a year and a half. Year and a half, and I we would were say, the check the box. Yeah, kind of we were. We call it. Like, I would say we mm-hmm. were. We would. We laugh and call ourselves. We were glamour Catholics, always worried about how we looked, and you know, went to the mall probably four times a week, <laughs> and um, you know, always we shopped a lot and uh, getting we, the kids dressed up for church, for church, you know, looking and making all sure like they looked all cute and pretty, and, and yeah. And it was, you know, oh hi God, if you're there, you know, it was really mm. making sure that we. Uh, I mean, really I'm, looked good. Yeah, looked good to fit in. We were in the world and of the world. You know, it's it's who we were. And uh, we, yeah, we again check the box, go to mass on Sunday. But I, I just that's yeah. it. Kids baptized. I mean, we were we were attending, but it was again, it was a very shallow, just a shallow faith and a shallow, just kind of intentional walk um, as a married couple, as as even as parents at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Chrissy had meant Christy mentioned, you know, it was really through suffering um that brought us to our knees yeah so bobby yeah. was three three years old yeah. um just had a fever right yeah um you know it's oh man it's so even even you know here we are 23 years later and as as i talk about it it's like a time machine in my head right now i mean i could images and just kind of uh, that the whole that whole experience leading up to his his death. Uh, he was sick. Yeah, we all had kind of had the flu that week. Um, we, you know, all thought that he just needed some hydration. His doctor said, you know, take him down, just get him some hydration, and and we, you know, we uh, were with him for you know a few hours, and they said he's not perking up the way that we would like him to we'd like to bring him upstairs to um the icu um and and we'll you know just monitor him you'll go probably go home with him in the morning and uh he um once we like after about five ten minutes of them saying they would hook him up they'll come out and get us and they never you know they didn't come out and uh we i said mark we got to call in there like what what's going on (laughs) and uh we called in and they um said, you know, someone will be right out um, to bring you in. Another 15 minutes goes by. Um, mm-hmm. I called in again, and I said, you know, you said you'd come out. No one came out. Um, they said, we'll be right there to um, bring you guys in. Another 15 minutes goes by. And at that point, I just said, Marco, find our son. And so he ran into some doors that uh, to try to get him because nobody was, you know, calling us, coming out to get us. And when he walked into the room of the ER, they said, sir, we must attend to your son. This was not the child we thought was coming up from the ER. Um, So please, we need you to go back out and we will come out as soon as we can. Wow. Yeah, this is the middle of the night. I mean, we're talking, it's at this What time of year? When was it? This was, uh, actually we went in on, it was uh, Mother's Mother's Day. Day. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mother's Day. Uh, That that Saturday night, Mother's Day. Well, it would have been Sunday night, uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Sunday night. Yep. 
we went in on May 14th, uh, the year 2000. And it's, you know, again, in that trans- transition from one kind of hospital room to another area, it's just, you know, again, we thought we'll be, you know, we'll just, you know, they're getting them set, transferred, and we're, we're, we're going to be set. And it's like, yeah, minutes were hours. And it was mm-hmm. just, it, you know, without going into all the detail, I mean, really, the next, we from the time we went into the emergency room till the time we came home, it was over like almost like a 22-hour period. Wow. And, uh, I mean, the news just just kept getting worse while we were in the hospital. I mean, they had mentioned meningitis. They were treating him with the antibiotics as if he had it. Um so, you know, we, you know, the, just hearing the word spinal tap and meningitis and just, um, it just it was just a big blur. My mom being a nurse for so many years, I mean, she's, she's one that we called in the middle of the night and, you know, like, Hey mother, what, like, this is what they're saying about Bobby. And that, you know, without her saying it, I can just tell in her, just her voice over the phone that she just had the sense, man, this is not good. You know, if you start, you know, talking about a three-year-old with, and a spinal tap and meningitis and she's like mark if that's what they're mentioning just like, let them do it you know let they, they have to attend to him and um you know i think at that point just kind of behind the scenes as we called family there was this even though we were still kind of holding on the hope i think our family was like this is serious we gotta we gotta we gotta run to them and and, and surround ourselves with just support and presence in the hospital and our family drove up from steubenville and had family in columbus and, and obviously in the cleveland area and it was just an intense, uh, intense, like 22 hours, uh, from the time we went in. And unfortunately uh, it happened so quick. I mean, when we left the hospital, um, we always say like we came home empty handed Mm. and you just never, we just were never thought like that. That was even a possibility when you went in there. Again, when you have young kids, those that have kids, Taylor was in kindergarten. So, you know, when you're sending your kids to school, you know, they're always kind of, Germs are spreading, and you know it kind of runs through the household. And again, Christy was sick that week. Taylor uh, was sick that week, and we just thought Bobby kind of had what everybody else had. And f- for whatever reason, uh, you know, he just had a little bit more. And mm-hmm. it just coming home, and I remember walking in our house after getting home from the hospital, and we—I mean, we literally just fell prostrate. We just collapsed in just complete shock, complete exhaustion from being up all night, and. I mean, just could nothing, could do nothing but really just cry in disbelief and in shock. And I think that you do, you just, you know, you're, um, you're just, you don't want to live again. You don't want to, you don't want to go on. You know, my, my mom would come over and get us out of bed to shower. Mm-hmm. You just, you can't believe this is your life. And, and I, I, I just, I think people that go through loss, um, they're not given enough, if I could say the word, um, sounds silly, but like a reverence of like, um, of an understanding like this is going to take time. Like, you know, it's not something that, <laughs> you know, you're lucky at work if you get two to three days to mourn and then you're, you're asked to come back. I mean, yeah. it's it's not it's not something that you can possibly rush. Like it's, it's, you're devastated, you're broken. Your life has been completely changed forever from that, that time on. And I think that, that it's just so life changing and, and you don't even know where to begin again. You don't even know how to begin again. Um, and so I, I think, you know, that's really what, as Mark said, brought us to our knees 
And um, and then I would say about six months later, um, my mom found a pamphlet in the back of a church that we didn't even belong to. And it was um, about this place called Catholic Family Land, the Apostolate for Family Consecration. And um, mm-hmm. she goes, she brought this pamphlet to our house. And again, we're so dead at the time. I mean, honestly, six months later, we're still dead. You know, we, we, we really feel like yeah. there's no purpose mm-hmm. to living. Like we're, we're called to be parents. We're, we have two other kids left, but we didn't want to be. <laughs> I mean, we're yeah. just trying to survive. You mm-hmm. know, we, we just, you know, as Mark would often say, just to breathe was, was hard enough. Um, but she was like, would you guys consider you know, coming down there um, and meeting with a priest. I've, I've, met, I've made a phone call. He's willing to just sit with you. And uh, we were like, sure, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever that looks like. We'll... I think she knew. I mean, yeah. Chris, Christy's mom, I mean, she is like yeah, uh, a family uh, prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. I mean, that her first response to all good things and bad is, is you know, praise God in, in good times and in bad and, and to lean in on him. And she's continually set that example for us for our grandchildren for her grandchildren and uh, yeah, she knew i mean we were again having having the younger kids gave us even though we didn't want to it was like we knew they needed mom and dad you know, they needed their parents to step up and provide sure. to be present and just mm-hmm. care for the kids you know and but christy's mom she had this sense because she's so connected with with our lord and and relies on him day in and day out she she knew we needed uh we, we, we needed Christ in our life in a very intentional way to transform this pain. Um, yeah. Mark, Mark and Christy Tripodi are in the cafe with us this morning talking about the loss of uh, their son, Bobby. Uh, saw a picture on the website. Uh, adorable. Adorable. He's in a Superman. That's right. Yeah. Costume. <laughs> yeah. We say he's our Superman on earth. Yeah. He, his life, uh, he doesn't even know it, but his little three-year-old life transformed our entire family for generations. I mean, transformed it. We will never be the same again. You you can't go back. You know, you can't go back to who you once were after that. Um, You can go back to worse or you can go back to incredible. And I would say not that we're incredible, but he's incredible. What Jesus knew through his little life, how he would change us is incredible. And Taylor was in kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd she handle everything? Because she would was old enough to. Yeah, she she was she was. I think she you know they they often talk that kids have their grief bursts they call them you know they that they're not capable of talking the way adults talk, but she would talk about them and then she would go back to play and then she would talk about them and then she'd go back to trying to play because they don't know how to verbalize what they're feeling. We sent her back to school. and they sent her home with 20-some-year-old pamphlets on the grief process and how we should handle her, you know, how to deal with it. Mm. And that was very difficult for us. You know, we're mm. grieving ourselves. We're trying to figure out how to help our children. And, and that was extremely difficult because you're all grieving differently, and yet as parents, we're responsible for helping our children mm. on how to grieve, you know, the loss of her very best friend. So I would say it was, you know, it was extremely difficult when we would go to a support group once a month, which wasn't enough for us. It was, you know, take her in a room and basically let her play or, 
you know, draw pictures while we verbalized what we were dealing with, with other people in our support group. But again, for our kids, there was really, there was no support, no help, and really how to, how to walk through the grief journey with them as a, and with all of us as a family. Um, now you had mentioned yeah. going down to the Apostolate for Family Consecration, yeah. Catholic Family Land. Yeah. Was it Father Barrett? Yeah, Father with? Kevin. And yeah. that's the yeah. thing, you know, Christy's mentioned, and we're, you know, we're reaching out for like practical support. You know, we're mm-hmm. trying to seek counseling and it was like super expensive and we were going to support group, but it was only once a month. And again, looking for stuff for our kids. Christy's mom saw this happening and was like, this is great, but like you need Jesus, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you, you know, you, you need, you really need to tap into your faith. And we, again, we were still going through the motions. Uh, we were, we were, uh, definitely on our knees and, and, and just like relying on God. Uh, well, I would say crying out, but, but still not having this like full reversion back to the faith. Um, but it was that weekend we ended up, it ended up being, it was a totus tuus weekend. Yeah. It was October of, uh, this, it was like a, about a, a month after the nine 11 attacks. Oh my. Yeah. Cause so, so. So that was a big trigger for us too. Here, you know, not only just you know talking about the fear and things like that, but it was just we had a really like just resonated with all the loss and the just, world is crumbling. Yeah, right. And just and just yeah. the, the grief that that happened on that day and just us kind of without even knowing, like just like knowing that those families that lost sons and daughters and moms and dads mm. was just it was it was a very much a kind of a another. A, I guess it brought us kind of further into despair and depression in our grief. And, and Christy's mom, like I said, she just had this intuition, like you've got, you've got to tap into your faith on this. And yeah. so we went to a, well, she, she didn't yeah. know this was all from a pamphlet, right? So she didn't know father Barrett. She no. didn't know the apostolate. Mm-mm. Oh, she oh, had never been to family no. land herself. No. Never. Okay. <laughs> no, she came with us. She actually brought us and our oh first gosh. experience was incredible. And, and he gave us so much time. He, I mean, he, you know, exactly what you would want a priest to do is to just give you time, you know, to just be present with us, to just share the love of Christ and and to pour out Christ to us in a time of our brokenness, to just, just to be, um, just to really truly be Christ in our life for the very first time that we actually felt his presence. And I really mean that. Like mm. he also, he just said, you know, I really want you guys to also, you know, experience confession. And I really feel like it's, it's so important for you to, you know, be in good standing, good standings with the Lord. And, and in this time, and when you're so broken and sorrowful and when you're so weak, let him become so strong in who you are. Um, and I do want to mention for those that have, have lost a loved one. Like I was angry at God at first. So I don't mm-hmm. want to like, I don't want to think that it was just cause I remember when we first talked about cornerstone, my uncle said, here, just give him a prescription that says Jesus Christ on it. And I thought that's not going to work for everyone. Sometimes you're so broken that you need time to, to, to give that, to give to Jesus that agony, that, that prayer of agony, which is like, it's you pouring yourself out. Why God, why? you know, why would you allow this? And that's what my prayer was. It was like, you knew I love my children more than anything. Why would you allow this to happen to me? Um, And again, years upon years of that prayer of agony, I I mean, at least a good couple years, again, he was working in my heart, but it was the stubbornness of me 
you know, why God, why me? Um, and so that took a long time. I mean, I didn't, I, I, I also want to say, you know, his mom would often say she didn't see a smile, a real smile on her face for 10 years. I don't, I think people want to rush the grief process because it makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. But when people are grieving, it is, it is so long. I mean, it's, it's, it's still, I'm with you today and I still could tear up as I talk about it. Cause yeah. you don't, you don't, uh, we're, we're busy. I mean, obviously with the ministry, but we're, we don't get to sit in that and it's probably better, but I also say it's probably not because when you have to talk about it, mm-hmm. it's so deep. I mean, it's still there. And for me to hear when people say you're healed from grief, you're never healed. You learn to walk through it in it and get stronger, but it's never something you just get over. You don't get over people, you know, you don't get yeah. over the love that you've had for, for those that you, you truly loved it. And we always say, you don't, for us in Cornerstone, we always tell people, you don't come to seek services because there's something wrong with you. There's something so incredibly right with you to the extent that you love is the extent that you will grieve. And so sometimes it takes a really long time. Yeah. It just does. That's that's actually really beautiful that you bring that up the, to the extent that you love is the extent that you'll grieve. I've never heard that before, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. And and to even just allow ourselves to sit in that grief process and allow it to happen. Absolutely. It's 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 what we've you know, God has so beautifully just brought into our hearts to share that with those that grieve because Again, it is in our weakness, in our darkness of the sufferings that God does allow. You read that in the beginning. It was so beautiful. Um, But it is in that darkness, in that weakness, that God can become so incredibly strong because it's like when you're in that, that deep pain, it is when you're, you're aching for the only one that can satisfy. And whether you can say that out loud or you don't know that you, you know what that is, like it's, it is, it's him. It's him really reaching out to, to be there and to console us in our time. But it's also what gets you to the hope, you know, the hope that he provides. I mean, you know, Christy talked about it it is, it's normal to be angry with God and to cry out and ask why, but yet that's who we were crying out to. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's kind of like this backhand compliment, if you will. It's like, you know, you know, we're not screaming at our parents or our friends or coworkers about why this happened. I mean, we're crying out to the one that we're in a sense blaming because it, 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 you know, whether we knew it or not at the time, it was like, he could do something with this pain. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately we can go to counseling and we can talk to other families and that's helpful. And that's what our ministry is based on, you know, never grieving alone, surrounding people with shared experience to come together and support one another. But ultimately uh, I mean, you even mentioned in, in your uh, Pope Benedict, you know, quote this morning, I mean, our destiny is uh, is in heaven with our Lord, you know, and, and even in our anger and our uh, frustration and doubt, we were praying to God to, to help us kind of just to, you know, make sense of it, mm-hmm. to, 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 to add a purpose to this pain, to add uh, meaning to the suffering. And um, it takes time. I, I want to say that, you know, I know we're kind of kind of bouncing around on our story, but I just want to just want to reiterate that it, it didn't take days. It didn't take months. It took years. 
and even to the point where we're here talking to you today, I mean, it's, it's, it's still very, very present in our lives. You know, we don't talk about cure. We talk about care. Um, and, you know, we always, you know, we mentioned many times, like Bobby's death, that experience brought us to our knees. And in many ways, we've, we've stayed there ever since. Mark and Christy Tripodi in the cafe with us this morning. When, when uh, did you start Cornerstone of Hope? Yeah, so um, officially as a, a, a nonprofit in 2003. Very uh, soon after then. Yeah, it was soon after. Um, and, it, you know, I would say we probably had the idea within a year, just based, again, we were seeking support. We were, uh, uh, all that we did to try to receive support for ourselves, through our children. Um, and again, but we didn't have that encounter with Father Kevin Barrett yet, you know, or in that confessional moment that really was, was transformative for us. And, and that told us to us weekend was in a sense was really, was really where it all changed for us from, from our Catholic faith point of view. I mean, at at that point, and you know, here we are in October of 2000, uh, yeah, 2001. So about 18 months after our son died, really from that point to where we are today, it's just been, it's been this intent, you know, intentional walk toward Christ to relying on the church to help just to, bring all the beauty of the church to help us to survive and, 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 and to take uh, our faith as a priority. That yeah, must so. have been difficult being a, at the totus to us because these are family events. Mm-hmm. And, and for you to be in the midst of a lot of families, I mean, did, did you participate? Did you, you know, were you a part of the weekend or did you, I mean, you guys had so much to process and um, we did, but I think we were so hungry. We were so hungry for the teachings of the church that we didn't even know it. Wow. I mean, we were just, what a grace that I is. I mean, it, it was, it's, it's really, it's, it's, you can't, I mean, you can't be superficial anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just, it's, it's again, it's a life changing event. And I think, um, what I remember the most was after Mark started to get back to work, which again, he, he didn't get back to work. His company was so incredibly good to him for six weeks. He just said, listen, I, I can't go back to selling graphite heat exchangers <laughs> and have a purpose in that. I mean, I just, I don't know how you want me to do this. Yeah, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, <laughs> huh? Yeah. You know, and I think, um, so again, his company was so good to him. But I remember him traveling again, getting when he did get back to it. And I'm still home in our house every single day, yeah. walking by his room and, and everything that I did. And I remember just sitting there on the steps, just crying my eyes out. And I called him at work and I remember just saying to him, like, I need a place to go. Like, you get to go to work every day. I'm home with these children. I'm in this house. I see the lack of his presence here in our home. I need a place to go. I, 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 I can't do this. And I'm, I'm suffering and I counseling again, $120 an hour. We were going once a week. We couldn't afford it. My parents took care of it for us. I have these two children that I don't even know how to help them because I can't even help myself. Mm. And I knew we needed to do something. I felt this call to do something. And as Mark always puts it to words, so beautifully it was like do not waste this pain do not waste your pain yeah i had that encounter at the cemetery uh, one night 
um, just crying. He would go, I would go often, you know, it was that particular night I was there late at night, uh, and just pounding, you know, like pounding on, on the steering wheel, pounding on the gravestone, just saying, you know, like, why God, why me, why now? And, uh, I heard, I heard so clearly again, you didn't hear voice, a voice in the sky. I mean, the, the, the cloud, you know, the heavens didn't open up, but you just heard it deep within my heart. I just heard, I just heard God coming alongside me saying, uh, after he kind of got my attention, he kind of like, if you can imagine this, it was almost like a disciplinarian father at first, like kind of putting, putting my shoulders against the wall, right? saying, Hey, wait a second. Listen to me. Listen to me. Like get a hold of yourself. Mm. And I heard, I know, I know my son died too. My son died too. And then I felt like his posture changed from like kind of putting my shoulders against the wall to kind of coming alongside me and is putting his arm around me like a loving father. And I just heard so clearly, do not waste this pain. Do not waste this pain. Christy had that encounter too of like, we need a place. And so we always say our ministry cornerstone of hope is a place where pain is not wasted and it was never that we were challenged early on our families thought we were crazy like what are you going to do like you know i have an engineering degree i'm in sales (laughs) you know we're having it we're having more kids at this time and we're saying we're going to start a grief center and they're like what you're going to do what there's already grief centers why why do you want to do another one right i mean And, and it was just this sense like just because of our reaching out for support and how unorganized it was how expensive it was how outdated it was it was and again this is the cleveland area at the time we were just we just had this sense of there's a need like we know there's a need and we felt you know we were challenged early on well this isn't this is an emotional response to your son's death um you know your other families have gone through this and you know it's great idea but like uh you know good luck almost like like right you know this this isn't this this will pass you know Hmm. uh and you know our response, we always say it was never an emotional response to Bobby's death. It was a devotional response to God's call. A devotional response to God's yeah. call. And that's, yeah. and that's, and, and again, without us, and we're still struggling in our faith. We're at least pointing in the right direction. We're walking, we're, we're, you know, free, you know, we're understanding the importance of the sacraments of confession, of uh, communion in the state of grace, of, of adoration and rosary, like that we didn't really, we didn't, we weren't utilizing those tools and, and those resources, you know, to help us, to help raise our family. But now that we are, it's like, we just, we just knew in our heart, this, this isn't about Bobby. It's not about our, it's just, this is God. God asked us to do this. And it was like, what are we going to do? We felt like we had to do something. And ultimately, you know, Cornerstone of Hope was one of the, one of the, I guess, fruits of the suffering. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, we started in 2003 up in Cleveland, very small. Uh, I was, again, in my sales job, Christy, at this point we had, 2003, we had uh, uh, two more children. We had our daughter, 2001, we had our son, 2003, and um, just just started very small. And I was still working my uh, sales job, if you will, and Christy's at home you know, helping her, her family company out, but raising the family primarily. And we're just, um, we're just like, we're, we're, we're saying to people near and dear to us that we got to do something that we have, we have this idea. And I know you think we're crazy, but 
this has been our life experience and we went through a litany of obstacles and whether it be financial or support and said and we had found other grief centers across the country that were doing this so that kind of validated okay we're not crazy there's other communities doing this there wasn't an established standalone grief center in the cleveland area and we're going to start one mm-hmm. and somehow some way we did <laughs> did yeah. just having kind of that project that vision help you th- with the grieving itself that something to work on together as a couple also absolutely i mean we were taking calls in our home um (laughs) at first um so that was extremely it was it was very um it was very helpful to both us i think and to the griever that we were speaking with because when you know of someone that has been through loss um you will look to them you know you will look to them and and they will be I always tell our grievers some of the most incredible people because again, to the extent that you love is the extent that you will grieve. And if you have grieved and you have grieved well, people will look to you because you will be an inspiration to the world of one of the hardest sufferings. Mm -hmm. But look at how you came through that and what the, what a light you are now to the world because you know, they often say, you know, you want some great advice in the world, go to someone who has suffered much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, you're going to learn the most from those that have suffered much. What, um, what is the cornerstone of hope approach and, and what sets you apart? Because you, you saw mm-hmm. a gap in how grief services yep. were, were handled. I think one of them, was how they involved the entire family. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah, Christy, you had mentioned that you were going through your own grieving process, but you were wondering, how do I help my kid through this as well? Absolutely. So um, first and foremost, I would say we're not your typical grief center. Um, we're a Christian-based organization. So for us, that was huge because if you you can go through all the counseling, all the support groups, but if you cannot show Christ to those that are suffering in their loss, then you're not doing, you're putting a bandaid on the grief and you're, you're walking out the door. That's so foundational. It's so foundational. You have to give hope. Like where's the hope? Where's the hope? Where does the hope come in? The hope has to come in. It can't just be support groups and, 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 and counseling. Great. But along the journey, we often hear people say for kids, even, you know, they're, they'll, they'll go to a grief camp of ours and two years, three years later, they come back because they're like, you know, now that he's starting to ask more questions, my son is asking more questions. I've heard this. My son is starting to ask more questions. As he's growing, he's asking about his father's death. He's asking, you know, questions about the death, and I can tell he's really struggling. And so what I mean is, again, the grief process is a lifelong journey. Mm-hmm. But in that, you know, is why corner I think Cornerstone exists, and it's around for, you know, your times of where you're really struggling and maybe, you know, years later when it gets, it gets worse again and, and something comes up. And, and unfortunately in today's world, we're seeing a lot more traumatic deaths and complicated grief. And so it's, it's unfortunately more than we even ever thought really. For sure. So the friends that come to you, I mean, there's, it doesn't sound like there's a graduation ceremony or something where (laughs) that's right. You know, you've completed our program. (laughs) Good, Good luck. 
Um, <laughs> and listen, we love our programs, but it's again, we offer a lot. You know, you know, our, I, we would say like our three uniques would be. You know, Christy mentioned the foundational one. We are faith based. We are Christian valued, Christian based organization, and yet we know people come in just like we were angry with God, doubting, questioning that prayer of agony, and we welcome that. We meet them where they're at. I mean, we don't come mm-hmm. in with that prescription on day one of church or Christ or teaching. It's more of that ministry of presence, right? just open arms. I love that. We welcome and serve all believers, non-believers, believers of other faiths, but that's foundational. I mean, that's the Christian way, and so that's one. Two is we do have licensed professionals leading our programs. Now, we, we have other areas of programming that are like peer-led and mentorship and things, but our core programs, that counseling, those support groups, it's, it's the safety net of a licensed counselor, social worker, art therapist. So that's unique for us because when we were going to support groups, somehow, someway, we felt like we were put in this position of being like group leaders. And I don't, I don't know why this is kind of like that was the we felt like we were thrusted in that role. We felt very ill-equipped to manage it because yeah. we, it was like we we're still struggling ourselves. Or like we can't like we're coming here to looking for help. And, and somehow, some way we felt responsible for leading this group. So I know I'm going, going off here, but that's that's yeah. the other one. And then and then the third is it didn't happen right away. But now that we've been doing this for 20 years, as we grew and evolved as an organization, we were able to um, provide specifics support based upon that type of loss. Christy just mentioned traumatic grief. Like we didn't, when we first started having groups for kids, teens, and adults, it was just separated by age. But over the years, we've been separated by type of loss. We have groups for families affected by suicide, overdose, moms and dads that have had early infant loss, uh, moms and dads that have miscarried or had a stillbirth, uh, young widows groups, adults that have lost adult children. So we're, we're as, as we've grown, we're able to kind of uh, segment the types of losses in a relationship with that loved one and, and, and to put them in specific, you know, program tracks, if you will. And then there's ongoing support. Um, you know, after our groups are 10 weeks long, eight to 10 weeks, depending on, um, you know, season of the year and everything. But yeah, it's like, like, okay, you don't finish week 10 and you graduate. It's, you know, uh, we hope we give you the tools and the skill set and the friendships to, to carry on, but we have ongoing programming, memorial services, retreat weekends, uh, monthly workshops to come in and hear guest speakers and, and to do other programming uh, throughout the journey because Christy mentioned there's milestones. You know, it's birthdays and anniversaries of deaths or your kid. That is, happen over years, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're, we have something for everybody at all times, wherever they are in their grief journey. And you include, you know, in, in, in your case, you, you would include the grandparents, Oh yeah, extended family because you have to realize that they're suffering also the loss of a grandchild and, and to include the extended family in, in this process. Absolutely. I, I know for us personally and our families, listen, we had a, a an amazing family on both sides who surrounded us with support, practical support, with prayer, with, uh, you know, remembering Bobby and on his birthday, on the day of his death, like even to this day, they're doing an amazing job. But even with that support, we still felt like we were sinking. Like we, we needed to be with others that were in like living that grief experience like we were. And, 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 and that's the beauty of Cornerstone. It's like, we talk about never grieve alone. So if grievers come, they call. And then we, we, uh, uh, Kind of, you know, we, we listen, we acknowledge their pain, and then we direct them to whatever services make most sense for them, depending on where they are on their journey. 
and in and, and that and that grouping them together, uh, there's a lot of you know, they, they begin a lot of the programs as strangers. And within weeks, you know, they really become lifelong friends. Yeah. Well, 20 years now that you've been years. doing this. What are some of the ways that you've been blessed? <laughs> Go ahead. I'll have you start with that one. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's, you know, we often hear, um, I, I sat in the parking lot. I couldn't believe that I had to walk in the doors. You know, I, I couldn't believe I was actually at a grief center. And then those same people went through our groups, went through counseling first. Usually we, we, we recommend counseling first just because it, your personal story is yours. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard to share that with a, a group of people right away. Sometimes it isn't. Um, but I would say those people then come back and then they're now they're starting to volunteer. And then they're, you know, they're also going to Bible studies through Cornerstone. And so they're... Now they're, you know, they're starting to become so incredibly strengthened. And, um, and then they, they tell us, you know, that, um, you know, you saved my life. Like Jesus saved my life because I found this place and I, I didn't think I could exist. I didn't think I could continue my life on. And I recognize that I have these strengths that I never knew before. And, and I, I got that here, you know? And so for me, those are the, those are the powerful moments. And again, when, for us, again, it, when you've come to know Jesus in that darkness and, and a light was provided through Cornerstone, that's all I could ever ask for. I mean, to me, that's, that's the gift of hope, you know, that, that Jesus in that great suffering brought, there was an incredible light provided to know Christ in the suffering. And that's for me, the message that I, I mean, that's the hope journey I got. Mm-hmm. I get when I hear those stories. Yeah. No, that, I mean, we, at, at our fundraising events, I mean, um, we, we have a lot of past clients and families that have received services and give their testimony. And it's, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. I mean, and that's that, I mean, to say what Christy said is, you know, just, just, I guess when we started this ministry, we, we didn't feel like, oh, we were, we were here to save lives. You know what I mean? Like we were just yeah. kind of wanting to people with a shared experience to come together and, and have that support. But in that, like God always has a bigger plan when he calls you to do something. So for us thinking, wow, we just want to gather people together in a room and, and have some type of structured support. You know, God was about saving lives, saving yeah. souls. And, um, uh, you know, part of this too, and I, I do have to say this, I mean, none of this would be possible. Like so many generous individuals and companies support our work. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, you know, we charge, most of our programs are free of charge. Over the years, our counseling has evolved into, you know, we do charge for counseling, but if somebody does not have the ability to pay, we'll find, you know, financial assistance and scholarships for them to get the care, you know, the, the care they need. Finances are never a barrier to services, but we've been beyond blessed by uh, friends, families, companies, individuals have walked this journey who financially support this mission and ministry, you know, which brought us to Columbus. So, you know, we start in Cleveland, Columbus, we opened up our office in 2011. So we've been in the central Ohio market for 12 years. We were just down the road from you, right? Mm -hmm. Our office in Upper Arlington, but we just moved this summer to Westerville, just south of St. Paul's Catholic Church there, and opened up a Lima office in 2014 as well. Wow. Yeah. One of the things I, I, I think you guys do so well, and it may seem like a small detail or inconsequential, but the beauty of 
your your um facility <laughs> it, it, you know it, it's just not a clinical it, it's very it's beautiful and, and you can see that i remember seeing pictures of um some of the campers and uh interacting with the counselors and there's just such a family feel to Thank everything you. that and means a lot it's what it's really what we wanted and and i think because mark and i were in the basement of a hospice when we were going to support groups once a month that that mm. was the really again another thing that god allowed us to do in that suffering to see how hard that was to go there and to know what was happening there um that it had to be a home-like setting it had to be inviting it had to be again so comfortable to come there because the pain is so great so it had to be a place where you know you don't want to go there but when you do go there you feel like you are in a place where there is this great home-like setting a light in that darkness something that makes you very feel very loved and welcomed and wanted to be, you want to be journeyed with. Yeah, yeah. Mark and Christy Tripodi here in the cafe. Cornerstoneofhope.org yes. is the website. Mm-hmm. Question occurred to me, do you have people coming in years after uh, a traumatic experience? Or, you know, so they've been carrying this burden, carrying mm-hmm. this grief, and not knowing that there is a hope, not knowing that there's a solution. Have you encountered those people? We have. Um, we have. I mean, and, and it's a lot of our vol- old, uh, elderly volunteers have kind of, you know, uh, have that lived experience, what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, they come, you know, we have a memorial service coming up uh, in December 6th in Columbus. And, uh, and now you can go on our website, and and so some of these families, like maybe they don't come in for counseling or support groups because it's been so many years. But uh, we had a, a couple. One of our volunteers, um, it, it was like thirty years that her son had passed away. You know, and Cornerstone wasn't there thirty years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and and just in in us starting the organization and her finding us through uh, a church bulletin. She came to volunteer for us, and yet she. Her first experience was coming to memorial service, you mm. know, 30 years after her son had died and just having an incredible experience and just that, well, and just that, that, that safe and sacred spot to be able to grieve without judgment so many years because later. Because back in the day, you yeah. didn't, you, you were kind of told to stuff it, right? Like it was repress it. You're going to be okay. Don't talk about it. And today that's that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, you stuff it, you, you're going to stuff it. You're going to yeah. go to alcohol. You're going to go to drugs. You're going to try to find something to fill that hole. Food, Get on whatever. with your life. Get on with right? your life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I know that for my own, my, my dad, his brother died. My grandma, she never talked about it. They weren't allowed to talk about it. They, you know, they wrote letters to themselves about what they were feeling, but it, it was never, you didn't talk about grief back then. Um, and I think that's what we're trying to bring about is this awareness. You know, you don't, Again, even in in corporations, you don't have proper awareness for grief. You don't get days off for grief. You don't, you know, you'll get time now for postpartum for the, you know, you get some, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not what is, is needed for families that grieve. We always say like for moms, like, you know, obviously it's right, you know, when they have a a child and, you know, there's now 
you know, Ohio's catching up with paternity leave and everything. I think that's all great. You can make a case you probably need an equal amount of time off after the death of a child mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. that you do with the birth of a child, right? I mean, it is just, it's devastating. And to try to, you know, think about work and functioning again and providing is, is, is a, it's a, it's a tall task. How do people find you? So I, I, mm-hmm. thinking of a child that's lost a parent, are are there referrals to you through different agencies? Um, how, how would some, yeah. a, a young person like that even yeah. become aware of Cornerstone of Hope? I mean, to talk kind of like the business side of our nonprofit is like we look at really like five target markets, if you will, churches, mm-hmm. funeral homes, schools, hospices and hospitals. So, I mean, that's we're constantly doing education and training and reaching out to them through bulletin announcements or just awareness of, uh, of those that. I want to say see death and dying on a somewhat regular basis mm-hmm. that we they, that we can be a resource to them. You know, we're coming along. I mean, some church groups, um, some of the bigger churches have, you know, a bereavement ministry, but they don't specialize in traumatic grief or for kids and teens. They don't feel equipped to handle the, the youth and the family. So, you know, we'll, we'll help churches run a support group the right way. But a lot of times it's a partnership because we'll get referrals for some of those traumatic cases. If it needs clinical counseling, if you will, or art therapy, or like I said, kids specialty, then they're happy to refer to us while we help them kind of run their ministry. They're still referring to us. Word of mouth has been our biggest kind of, uh, marketing, you know, serving somebody so well, and then them just telling their neighbor, their coworker, their, uh, their colleague, whatever it is, you got to go to Cornerstone. And I'm most pr- most proud of that, you know, that's the that's the biggest uh, referral is serving a client so well and saying, you got to go to Cornerstone of Hope, and that's still to this day in Cleveland and Columbus our biggest referral source is a client that we've served well. This hour went quickly. We have <laughs> two two minutes left. Uh, friends, keep cornerstoneofhope.org just in, in your mind. We all come mm-hmm. across people that are suffering that uh that are grieving in a number of different ways. So. Keep, keep this in your mind, cornerstoneofhope.org. Uh, Mark and Christy, you're awesome. You're awesome. Thank you're you awesome. so much. So Thanks good for having us. to have you with us. This is our last show of the week. Uh, the Sacred Heart Hour will be on tomorrow at 8 a.m. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, Amanda, quite a week. Uh, yeah, and the, the conference is coming up as well. Boom. That's what I was going to say. Sacred Heart Congress this Saturday, November 4th at St. Paul's in Westerville. Uh, Doors open at 7.30 for registration. Rosary at 8 a.m. Mass at 8.30. And then the speakers, adoration and benediction. That all wraps up by noon. Mm -hmm. So you can go online to Mm welcomehisheart.com. So... I mean, it's happening here in Central Ohio, isn't it? It is happening here. I'm, yeah, so we're walking I'm amazed together. at the transformation in, just in the Catholic circles, even since when we went to college in the late '80s, early mm-hmm. '90s. Here, I mean, it's it's incredible, and you guys are we're blessed. You're right on the front end of it. So Amen. We Amen. love we love your work, and we're blessed to to, we to know you. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us today. Thank you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you on Monday.